Welcome to Slim and Satisfied, a podcast about weight loss for women dealing with hormonal imbalances. I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and I invite you to join me weekly for conversations, practical strategies, and resources that will lead you on the right path to feeling satisfied with your body and your life. And now, let's get to today's episode. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Slim and Satisfied podcast. I'm your host, Daphna Chazen, and this is episode number 12. I'm excited for every episode that I record, but today is a little extra special because I have my first guest on the show. I couldn't think of anyone better to bring on than Janine Miles. Janine is a licensed professional counselor who's helped many women overcome some of the more mental and emotional struggles as they're getting healthier. She's going to share share a lot of great information with us today about using your emotional bank to get better results and to feel a little bit better and more self-accepting of yourself. Janine has been my go-to resource for everything related to mental health and emotional health, and she's also had her own weight loss struggle that she'll share a little bit about in the interview. So I really see her as an amazing resource, and I can't wait for you to listen to it and start implementing some of the tips and tricks that she's going to share with us in the interview. So without any further ado, let's welcome Janine Miles onto the show. Janine Miles, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I am very good, Daphna. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, I'm really excited about this because I know all the work that you do and how amazing you are in helping women with weight loss and helping them get their head in the right place with all the difficult kind of more mindset stuff that goes on. So I'm really excited about the topic we picked for today, which is emotional bank. Before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Thank you. I have been practicing as a licensed professional counselor for about 20 years. And the latter part of the last 10 years, I've really been specializing in working with women and weight loss. I recently received my board certification as a bariatric counselor and also received my AFPA in weight management. So very excited about those two certifications to continue with my mission and goal of helping women feel the best that they can and get their their mindset in the right place to do and be whatever they want to do and be. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about some of the clients that you work with. What kind of issues could they be coming in with? I work with a very diverse population, but I prefer and really enjoy working with women's issues. So it could be depression, anxiety, eating disorders, weight loss management, bariatric surgery, So, you know, a lot of those things all go hand in hand. I also enjoy working with adolescent girls as well. Mm -hmm. And you've been a part of some of the programs that I've had and worked with and really helped these women just augment their results. So we all know food and exercise, that's a given. And a lot of women try hard to get that dialed in, but the mindset is really important. And you've been such a, a great resource for me, helping me with my ladies who are trying to lose weight to really get them in the in the right place as far as emotions and thoughts and things like that. So thank you for that. I really do love your work. Thank you. Yeah. So let's dive into talking about the emotional bank. I've heard you before talk about it, and I think it's so interesting. So tell us exactly what an emotional bank really is. 
Okay, sure. So it all comes from Stephen Covey. He talks about what is our emotional bank account. And he uses it for a variety of different ways to express how one fills their emotional bank at at an early age. I like to take it a little bit further and use it as, you know, how do we increase our our self-esteem? But the we all start with a neutral bank account. And, you know, we then develop when people, you know, we have a we have a trust for each other, those people that we trust and that we believe in, they can add deposits and they also can take withdrawals away from our emotional bank. And that's sort of Stephen Covey's understanding or how he explains it. But the way I like to use it is that we have control over our emotional bank and we can, you know, make those deposits for those emotional banks so that, you know, if people have a full emotional bank, they're less likely to feel any kind of hurt or uncomfortableness when somebody takes a withdrawal. And a withdrawal is could be anything from feeling hurt about something somebody said or some kind of negative comment that was made or really anything that you believe is is negative is is a withdrawal. Mm-hmm. You know, I always have a very cute story about my daughter who was at school and, you know, we talk about emotional bank at home because a lot of times the emotional bank is it starts to develop early on usually adolescence, middle school, which is a really difficult time because that is probably the most difficult time in a, in a person's life as middle school as you're trying to figure out who you are. But nonetheless, that's when your emotional bank actually really starts to get filled up or, or depleted. So uh, one of her teachers made a comment about what she was wearing and she looks at the hemisphere in the face and she goes, well, it's a good thing I have a very full emotional bank and it <laughs> didn't really bother her. <laughs> and I thought, well, good for you. Good for you. Yes. <laughs> So you're saying that basically the emotional bank can be impacted by external things, but you're taking it a step further and helping women to really fill their own emotional bank, right? Not to rely on other people. Exactly. Exactly. Because we we are, you know, that's how our identity really kind of evolves is, you know, how we have been treated our whole lives or how you know, comments that we have heard over a period of time. And, you know, if you're in a not a healthy environment growing up, you know, that's a lot of times how we determine who we are and our self-worth. And so that makes it very difficult because you have a very low emotional bank, you know, as you enter into adulthood. And so that's a crucial part in determining, you know, our success later on. Mm Mm-hmm. So how would someone tap into it and kind of check what the balance is or what's in there? How would you get started with even seeing what's in your emotional bank? Well, we have to have increased awareness about who we are. And a lot of times I think I see women that come in and, you know, they're so beaten down and they have such a negative self-image of themselves and yet they're a people pleaser for everyone else. So like if you were just to meet them out there, you'd be like, wow, they've got it all together and they they present so beautifully. But when you Mm -hmm. actually start talking with them and working with them, you realize that they, they really don't have a lot of self-worth. And, you know, I say to a lot of people, I said, you know, what, you know, I give them a scenario that they're experiencing. And I said, and what would you say to someone else of a friend of yours that's in that same situation? And they have such wonderful advice and support. And I'm like, okay, so how do we turn that back into you? And a lot of it is because they don't feel like they're deserving of it or worthy of it. And it makes it very difficult for them to start filling up their emotional bank. So with, you know, some intense therapy and increased self-awareness is the first step to making positive change we have to increase that self-awareness as to what it is that we want to accomplish. And then we have to start 
actually practicing it. And it could be anywhere from, you know, positive affirmations, you know, once a day or multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. What do we say to ourselves and what's that constant image do we have of ourselves? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because you're talking about women who basically fill other people's emotional bank, maybe, right? So sometimes just kind of caring for others and treating others with more respect than they would themselves. Correct. And... So would someone have multiple different emotional bank accounts, if you will? Like, would you have some, maybe you see yourself as very accomplished as a mom or as a, as a spouse, but not so much as keeping yourself healthy or, or caring for yourself? Would that make sense? I think you definitely can feel more confident in every area of your life. Even for myself, as struggling with my own weight issues, I felt very, very confident and strong in every aspect of my life, with the exception of my weight. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, what is it that I need to do to have that paradigm switch in my own belief system? So I do absolutely think that we could have full emotional banks in one aspect of our life and not in our other. So I, I do think that's an area to definitely explore and look at. Like, what is it that's making it an issue for you. And so someone could take some of those other accounts and kind of spread it more evenly, you're saying, kind of increase awareness, see how am I doing so well in one area, but not in this area? Or correct. what are some qualities, some traits, some characteristics that I'm applying here, but not to my own health, for example? Exactly. And I tend to think that that's our, our biggest issue is that we, we don't make it about us. Women tend to, more so than other, take that caregiver role and are always willing to help everybody else. And sometimes I think we use that as an excuse. We use that as an excuse not to take care of ourselves. Well, I can't because I have to do this, or my my mom is sick, or I have a sick kid, or 10 million reasons why we can't take care of ourselves. And I really think that once we grasp that, we can even be better then um, and be a better caregiver and a better mother and a better wife and a you know better at work if we do take care of ourselves. I always like that example when you're on the airplane, the staff says, you know, hey, put on your mask first before assisting others. Because if you don't take care of yourself first, you're not going to be good to anyone else. So, you know, I really try to help people refocus and make it about them. You know, I, I joke around and I say, I have a sign on my door, which I do on my bedroom door. It says, it's all about me. Get yourself a t-shirt that says for the first time, it's all about me. And a lot of times I have to give women permission. You know, hey, I am giving you permission to make yourself a priority. And for some people, that's the first time they hear it. And they actually get very emotional when I say that because they're like, wow, like, yeah, you're right. I, it's time. I have to make it all about me. And there's so much guilt involved when you do it. Like, can I be a mom and be selfish and go to the gym? Yeah, you can. Because when you come home, you're going to be even a better mom because you've already taken care of your needs. And it's tough because, you know, moms work, they may work more than one job and they're trying to raise their kids. And they're like, well, how do I fit in time for me? If there's a will, there's a way you know, and you have to figure out what works for you. I personally make sure I get up in the morning at 440 every day so I can take care of me. Mm -hmm. It's hard some days, but I know that when I do it, I feel 110% better. And then I can go about my day and give to others. So it's, but that may not work for somebody else. So we got to find what's going to work for them and what they can maintain for the duration. But this is a journey. This is a life journey. This is, you know, it's going to be a constant constant refocusing on who you are and 
what you need to do to be the best you. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times we deep down inside, we know that doing things for ourselves to some degree is going to make us better at everything else. But a lot of women, I feel like are worried more about what other people may say or what it may be perceived as, or we always kind of, I feel like at least for myself, I'm always, well, I used to always be explaining, always be justifying yourself or always kind of, kind of rationalizing things when you're talking to other people where really you're rationalizing, rationalizing it for yourself and making yourself feel better about it. And I think that we kind of have to let that go. I think that we can just make it a fact that we do certain things for no other reason than making ourselves feel good or feel healthy or feel more just complete with our life. You know, I don't think everything has to have some reason or some type of, um, you know, justification more, Yeah, justification yeah. that makes me, you know, look like a better mom or a better wife or whatever it may be. It can just be for you. This is just for me. Right. You know, right. And I absolutely agree with you. And I think it's, it's just taking again, that, that letting go of that piece. And I think some people use this as an excuse. Like I don't have time to take care of me because they don't want to at that point in time in their life. Mm-hmm. And so they're using that as an excuse. So I do think that you have to be ready in a variety of different ways and, and mentally and physically and emotionally. And, and when you get to that point, then I don't think you care as much I think there's a piece that's hard to let go of that. Like you said, there's a stigma associated and like, oh, well, she works all day and then she goes to the gym. Like, you know, what kind of mother is she, you know? But I always say, who cares? You know, you got to do what's right for you and you don't know what's happening in the day-to-day basis in anybody else's home, you know? And I always say, until you walk in someone else's shoes, you have no idea what that person is doing, living, experiencing. So I kind of learned to shut that down and, do what I have to do to be the best me. Yeah. And I think as long as what you're doing is really aligned with your values, right? Your belief system, then you're good. You're golden, right? You Absolutely. have to just be true to yourself. That's really the point. So I know that you talk very openly about your own weight loss and you definitely walk the walk. So how can this play into weight loss specifically? What kind of things can the emotional bank where when it's full, do for women who are trying to lose weight? I think when you have the confidence and that you can believe in yourself that, you know, everything else becomes secondary and it, there's like no stopping you kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're, you know, there's day-to-day struggles with weight loss, you know, and there's not a day go, goes by that I don't have to think about what I'm going to do or what I'm going to plan or how I'm going to do a certain, handle a certain situation. I wish I could say, here's the magic pill. And, you know, when you get to your goal weight, everything's going to be okay. I wish we could say that, but that's not the case. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's, it's a journey and it's ongoing forever. So it's, it's learning to reframe the way we think and our, have a paradigm switch in our relationship with food and what we need to do to best, you know, handle those situations. So it's just a matter of filling up that emotional bank with positive affirmations. I mean, how many times do we look at ourselves in the mirror and we look, God, I look fantastic today. I'm not sure that anybody does that. And there may be a few of us that do that, but um, it's very rare. It's very rare. We're the first thing we do is go, oh my God, I have bags under my eyes or, oh, my hair looks like a mess today or whatever. We naturally go to the negative, but we really should be like, 
darn it, I look fabulous today. Because we're going to start to believe that. Um, If we say it enough times, we're going to actually start to believe it. And it doesn't always have to be a physical thing. It could be, I feel great about myself today. I feel great about the accomplishments that I did today. If I get through a situation where I was anxious about maybe going out to eat or a party and I didn't want to overindulge and I leave that event feeling really good, like, hey, I I managed it today. You know, I want to like run down the hall and click my heels up and be like, yes, Janine, you did it. And so it's kind of doing that positive reinforcement and rewarding yourself with positive affirmations for the successes that you have along the way and not beat yourself up for the, if you, if you have a slip and that is a, I think a bigger piece. And I think the biggest paradigm switch for me was changing that all or nothing mentality going from, well, if I don't have a great or fantastic day, then it's a failure and then I'll just go off the deep end. So I had two extremes and I think that was one of the biggest changes in my success. Yeah. I just got an email from a client. You reminded me of it because she wrote, you know, I'm really struggling. How do people keep this going? I don't know how, where to find motivation. Well, I guess this is a familiar pattern for me because I just, I, you know, I've always failed and this is just one more of those failed attempts. And it just made me feel like that's probably the biggest problem. It's not really about the food, or it's not really about her not being able to do it. It's really just what we, what she believes. And I think the more we say stuff like that, like you said, we start really believing it. We start really thinking that that's the reality and that's fact, factual, but it, it really is just the story, right? It's just something that we tell ourselves. And unfortunately, I think if, like you're saying, an emotional bank is somewhat depleted, that's the the go-to place. That's where we first go to when we have a hard time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I do think that we're not as impacted by our external world, but rather what's going on internally and what's going on in our own head. We have that low self-esteem and we're having that internal dialogue that we're not good enough or we're inadequate or we don't deserve. I hear that a lot. I don't deserve to look good or feel good about myself. Like for whatever history they may have had, whether it's trauma or some other significant life event that happened that that they feel guilty or they don't feel like they're worthy of success. And that is going to be a really tough challenge to be able to have that paradigm switch and switch over to more of a positive thinking. And the biggest, most important advice I think I can give is to be nice to yourself. Treat yourself like you treat other people. The majority of us are so much nicer to other people than we are to ourselves. Don't withhold our self-love until you become the person that you think you should be or want to be. Because again, if you if you start loving yourself, then you know everything else will just fall into place. But if we're so have so much self-loathing or not deserving or we're inadequate, that becomes a, a much bigger, a bigger issue. Yeah. And don't get caught up with unrealistic expectations too. We have this, you know, we got to please everybody else and we have to do all these other things. And no, you, you have to be able to please yourself and put yourself to be first and make yourself that priority. And if you don't, if you treat yourself and allow yourself to be a doormat, and when you choose to respect yourself, you know, others will start to respect you and they'll be like, oh, I'm noticing a change in someone or You know, a lot of times when I used to work with the bariatric population, the most amazing thing for me and the most rewarding thing was I would see people at every different phase of the process. So the first couple of sessions, they would show up, but they were quiet. Their head was down. They weren't making eye contact. They weren't talking to anybody. 
you know, and then as the classes go on, they start to talk a little bit more. And as their weight starts falling off them and they start to be, you know, more engaged. And then you see them walk across the room, like they own it. And it is the most amazing thing. And then they're their role models for everybody else. And then they want to tell everybody their story. And it's, it's just really absolutely the most amazing, beautiful thing to be able to witness, to see the, 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 the love that people start to have for themselves and the belief in themselves and their confidence in themselves. It's truly infectious yeah. and beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. I think a lot of women wait until weight loss happens to start thinking these things. We think once I lose weight, I'm going to feel happier. Or once I lose weight, I'm going to love myself more or things like that. Whereas in reality, you have to do that first. Even if you don't fully believe it, you have to almost think and say things to yourself that you don't quite 100% believe yet, but you know that are going to become true the more you say them and the more you practice them. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head when you, you said that. A lot of times we say to ourselves, well, when I get to my goal weight, then I will like be kind to myself or then I'll buy myself something or, uh, you know, yeah. no, it's a journey. And every step of the way along the way, you should be rewarding yourself emotionally. Yeah. Treat yourself here and there to a new outfit, whatever you got to do to keep it interesting and exciting. But you're right. A lot of times it's like you don't have that self-worth or that self-love until you are where you think you should be. And it's a journey. And I I think we definitely forget that. And we need to appreciate the person in the mirror and accept who we are and master self-acceptance. And when you master self-acceptance, that's when the weight is the secondary part and it's much easier. But if you're fighting and kicking and screaming the whole time and you're equating your self-acceptance and your success to your weight or your weight loss or lack of weight loss, that is where it becomes a much more challenge and and difficulty. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many women I work with have gotten to their goal weight and were still unhappy. They were still miserable. Uh They were still self-loathing. The weight, I think, is just a small piece of it. I mean, it's definitely playing a part of it, but it's, it's really not everything. It's something that needs to be worked on from within, regardless of the weight first. Absolutely. And a lot of times when I, when I meet with people for the first time, even if they're considering, you know, weight loss surgery or, or not, I said, you know, the surgery is going to fix your stomach, but it's not going to fix your head and your brain. And I said, and so if you don't fix the head and the brain first, the surgery is not going to be successful long-term. And, you know, you always have those people that are watching and they're like, oh, are they going to be able to maintain it? Or, oh, they've lost weight, but, you know, they're kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. And, you know, that happens for those people who haven't fixed themselves internally, but the weight is the secondary problem here. Yeah. So do you think just like someone could fill up their bank, those types of things are, you know, the more negative stuff is obviously increasing withdrawals, right? Correct. So someone could be basically every day taking stuff out of their bank and not replenishing it with, with good stuff. Would you say that it's helpful for women to maybe sometimes go to neutral first? You know, if someone's really not able to see themselves positively or they're not self-accepting quite yet, would it be helpful for someone to just be neutral, basically not telling yourself, oh, I'm a failure or I can't do this or why can't I figure this out, but just saying, I'm okay. I'm just going to kind of be and stay and be neutral about it, not give it any interpretation to what's happening. Absolutely. That, that definitely has to be the first part of it and the, and the first step. 
So yeah, it's, it's especially if you're somebody who's very negative and is feeling, you know, is definitely withdrawing on a daily basis, it's going to be a lot more challenging to go from that extreme all the way to like, Ooh, I'm going to, you know, fill it up on, you know, three times a day, you know? Um, yeah, I think that could be a little intimidating and a little challenging, but yeah, if you can, you know, stop just with the negative comments. And a lot of times, like, you know, what we, we're trying to do is learning how to, we, the new buzzword is PMA, you know, positive mental attitude and how to think positive and to how to try to catch yourself, you know, with the glass half full as opposed to half empty. So even if you started saying like, you start saying a negative phrase about something and they were able to just stop and go, wait, that's negative, And then try to reframe it to something positive as best you can, you know, like, so like for an example, non-wheat related, but oh, I really hate going to my job. I hate my job. But then the positive is that, well, I have a job and I can pay my bills. So it's kind of more of a neutral as opposed to that constant negative self-talk because our brains have what's called a negative feedback loop in it. And we naturally go to the negatives. For example, you walk into a room and it's cold. You go, oh my gosh, it's freezing in here. Or you walk into a room and it's hot and you're like, whew, it is so hot in here. I can't stand it. But when do you ever walk into a room and go, wow, the temperature in this room is phenomenal. We don't. Our brains are not wired that way. Our brains are wired to go to the negative. So it's our brains have a natural what's called negative feedback loop. So we have to, some of us like have a little bit more of a positive spin on life, but others really have to work hard to, to reframe that. So it makes it even more challenging that maybe you didn't even realize, but that's kind of what we go to is the negatives, unfortunately. So how do we, you know, change that is, is making that conscious effort. But the first and most important thing is self-awareness. If we don't know what it is we're doing, how can we change it? If we don't know that we're self-loathing and negative and saying all these negative things, I have a, another kind of cute story. I have a, a cl- one of my clients I'm working with, really working on positive affirmations. And you know, I say to her, you know, every time I say I compliment you, you negate it with something negative. So she came in the other day and I said, oh, I really love your outfit. It looks so nice on you. And she looks at me and she stops herself. She goes, my therapist says I'm supposed to say thank you. And I was like, all right, I'll take it. It's a start. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think, I don't know why, but I think it is a lot of people's natural response to downplay anything positive about themselves, right? To kind of, oh, this outfit, ugh, this junky thing, I just got it for $15 at whatever, right? Or right. kind of playing things down. I think it's an attention thing, like being uncomfortable with attention sometimes as well. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And I do, I do think I've had some more serious cases where maybe there were some sexual trauma in, in, in their lives. And um, one of the things that was really interesting that we did not address prior to the significant weight loss was, you know, she came back to me and she's, you know, she was, you know, very excited. She's like, look how thin I'm getting and look at my wrist or I can actually see my bone and like stuff that she never experienced in her entire life. And then a couple of weeks later, she comes back and she's very angry. And I go, what's the matter? She goes, you never told me that I was going to get attention from men. And it's something I didn't even think about. And I was like, wow. And she was not ready for that. She was not ready because of the personal trauma that she experienced she wasn't ready for that. So it was a piece that I had to, I learned from her being like, wow, I never really put that together. And for her, it became more of a battle. And, you know, it was harder for her to keep the weight off because she never resolved her trauma mm-hmm. issues. So it's really important too to like in so many ways to make sure that 
you're in a positive mental, you know, good mental state and wanting to make those change and being aware of your history and any, if there is any trauma, like that's important to be addressed as well. So it's a piece that I don't know that we talk about. People are free to talk about it. There's a stigma associated with it, but I think it has to be talked about. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Let's talk a little bit about, as you know, I work with a lot of women with PCOS and we see higher incidence of anxiety and depression and more mental distress uh, among women who have PCOS. Can you talk a little bit about how investing in the emotional being can reduce those issues and help women feel a little bit more optimistic about just their mental health and how they feel? Absolutely. I do know that there appears to be a huge correlation with PCOS and depression and anxiety. The top three is the seasonal affective disorder, dysthymia, uh, major depressive disorder. There's some panic attacks there, you know, along with all the physiological side effects of the waking, acne, mood swing, yada, yada. So, you know, I think, you know, it makes it even more challenging and difficult uh, for women with PCOS, um, you know, to kind of change that mindset because like, you know, even though they're trying and really working hard at it, sometimes the scale doesn't always move in the way that they want it to because they've got all these other factors that are mm-hmm. working against them. So I feel like it's a little bit harder, but I, it's the same premise. It's the same learning to love yourself and learning to accept yourself where you are and mastering self-acceptance and, you know, starting off the day, you know, I always say to everybody, you know, what's a better time of day? Is it the morning or night? When do you self-reflect? And you should take, you know, five minutes before you go to bed while you're laying in bed before you go to bed, I think is the best time because it sends a really nice positive message to the brain before we go to sleep is to self-reflect. Think about, you know, anything you did positive for yourself today and maybe what you want to try and accomplish the next day. And it, it, it doesn't have to be big wins every day. You know, it can be really small wins. It could be, you know, I helped this woman at the, at the grocery store. I, I held the door, whatever. It doesn't have to be these major, you know, I lost 10 pounds this week. You know, it's unrealistic. You know, it's setting what's important to you in your day, you know, and like, what did I accomplish at work? How did I help a friend out? I don't care. Whatever it's important to you is what you should be self-reflecting. Some people do better when they wake up in the morning and they like to lay in bed and kind of self-reflect and prepare for the day. It's part of meditation. It's, you know, people like, oh, I don't meditate. Well, that's what it is, kind of, you know. <laughs> you can label it whatever you want to label it. So by by incorporating that into your daily practice and your daily life, it's really, it w- will have a multitude of positive effects. And I don't think we realize the impact that it has. And I know even for myself, if, you know, my journey is up and down as well as everybody else's. And when I need to pull it back in and, you know, it's, I I know exactly what I need to do and I know I can, and I believe in myself that I can, and I do, as opposed to, it's like, oh, I had a cheat day. And then one cheat day rolls into another cheat day and then a third and then a fourth, and then you're completely derailed and, you know, it's out of control. It's not a cheat day anymore. It's a cheat meal or a cheat snack. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, right back on track and you know what you need to do and just do it. But it has a lot of internal dialogue that I myself have to do as well to get myself on that right mentality. And, you know, there are times where I slip with some negative, you know, comments here and there. I'm like, oh, where did that come from, Janine? You know, like, let's reframe that. It didn't come from the bank. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Let me fill that emotional bank right back up. So I feel like I have a pretty full emotional bank. But, you know, there are days where I definitely either allow other people to take a withdrawal or allow myself to take a withdrawal. But, you know, again, the awareness of it 
is half the battle. You know, if I'm aware that what I'm allowing to happen or what's happening, then I can fix it. And I think we have to kind of let go of perfection too. I think to begin with, it's not really realistic to expect that we'll always tap into the positive side of, of our, our brain and our emotional bank. I think we have to accept that maybe 80 or 90% of the time, hopefully we do it. But I think the more, you know, just the, the fact that we do more of that than the negative stuff is a win already. Just kind of shifting the balance a little bit. Absolutely. So I think we're going to wrap up. We, you gave us a lot of great information, a lot of great insights about this. Where can people find more about you and your work? Well, they can go to the Center for Family Guidance website, which is ctrfamilyguidance.com, or they can call me directly at 856-261-6829. I also offer teletherapy sessions, so you can actually talk with me directly from your home via televideo. So it's very convenient. You never even have to leave your house, and most of the insurance is cover that as well. So you would, you know, wouldn't have to pay any additional to have that convenience necessarily. Yeah. And I'm going to link to all your information in my show notes so people can find it easily. I know that your online programs are very successful and a lot of people love the fact that it's done from home and very conveniently. So we're definitely going to provide that information to my listeners. Great. Thank you so much. So just remember everyone, you know, appreciate the person you are in the mirror. And, you know, once you learn to master that self-acceptance to, to any degree that's, you know, meets you where you are, then you will have greater success in everything that you do. Janine, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was fun. It was my first <laughs> podcast, so i um, very excited about it. So thank you. I told you it's going to be fun. <laughs> All right. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview and have found a lot of great insights, strategies, and information in what we discussed today. For more information, please visit the show notes below so you can get all the details, links, and recommendations that were discussed today. And if you like this podcast and what you've heard today, leave a review and subscribe to the show so you never miss when new episodes are out and you also help more people find this information. I'll be here again next week with a new episode. Until then, be well. Bye for now.